Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish Football Periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles, and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. The podcast that inspired the TV show, which is on every Friday night at 11pm on the BBC Scotland, and can be viewed at the BBC iPlayer at any point during the week. Join the view from the Terrace Pyramid Scheme, which will guarantee, which will make you guarantee that you flex every time you're on the TV screen. Uh, today, I'm once again joined by two men, honest and true. First of all, the man with the, the, the man with the facts to win any Twitter argument, Craig Anderson. Hello. And rounding off, rounding off our ball playing back three with your Stone Cold Andy Harrow. Hello. <laughs> As for this, I want a very bad back. As for this time of year, where we move to the end of the season, where recency bias picks out the best players of the last six weeks, and we call it the top twelve of the season. Um, today, we will be providing a definitive and complete list of the best twelve centre backs in Scottish football at the moment, which is definitely over the course of the full season and not over the past six weeks. <laughs> I had to let the uh, events of last uh, Thursday night not influence it too much um, in one of my selections. But Do you know what? I, do, I meant to bring this up when we talked about it on Monday, but why is everyone skipping over the fact that Scott McKenna is plainly injured? Given that the last game he played in the league, he was strapped up till his leg was held together by sellotape. And then he's played two internationals where he's not been great, but again, he's getting a bit of a doing for it. He's clear, he's plainly not fitting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, he, he will be disgusted later. Yeah, we, we, we did that catharsis. It's fine. It's okay. Right. So we'll start it. We'll do 12, 11, 10. Um, does somebody want to give me, somebody want to volunteer for giving me 12, 11, 10? Yeah, so I'll start off by saying that it was quite quite tricky in the sense that there are. Yes. I wrote a long list of players who might be worth an inclusion on here, and I had 21. So I had to score out nine of them, um, one of which pained me hugely to do, which we might come up later. I think I got to, uh, I, think I, I think mine was 18 and we'll do, we'll give honourable mentions um, at the end. But the number 12 that I have, um, who's I think quite lucky to scrape in, probably based more on last season, is Paul Hamlin. 11 is uh, Declan Gallagher 
uh, and ten is Mikey Devlin. Okay, no, Andy. Yeah, I am. I'm never very confident, especially with these yeah. bottom four or so. Uh, but I've gone for Simovich at twelve, Hanlon at eleven, and Shaughnessy at ten. Uh, I have Kurt Broadfoot at twelve, Declan Gallagher at eleven, and Jason Kerr at ten. Well, we'll start off with with Declan Gallagher, given that we both got him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you got him, Andy? Highly. Go? I've sort of done a cheat a bit higher up. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah, your yeah. your report to call Graham to yeah. do that. Uh, <laughs> so no, I, I have I have not cheated at any point on this <laughs> um, one. I have continued to. I'm straight down the line on this every yeah. time. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Declan Gallagher at eleventh. Um, I've got two living centre halves in my top twelve, and I absolutely adore both of them. Um, the idea, the the chatter seems to be that we've signed Declan Gallagher on a pre-contract for Motherwell next season. And I am absolutely delighted about it because he offers an awful lot. He's been playing at right back over the past few weeks for Livy. He has played at centre half very ably throughout the year. And I think my, I've discussed it a few times in the podcast, but my, my favourite thing about the Livy centre half is just them just appearing on weird bits of the pitch because they've got that, they're like, a, they've got like a free roll from centre half as long as it's just one of them. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. But Gallagher comes out miles ahead. In, in terms of uh, aerial duels that he's had um, possibly understandable um, given that people seem to just lose their mind against Livy and play long balls well, well the problem is they're so like the, the midfield and the forwards are so stuffy and they, they deny the space uh, I watched them play Kelly twice this season the um, the second time we beat them quite comfortably but um, they, we had a really good day that was the, yeah. night, the night we went top of the league um, yep. for the first time but um, previous to that that game and then I also watched them play Thistle in the playoffs like in the flesh that Thistle game once they went 1-0 up in that second leg they took their strikers off they played 6-4-0 <laughs> and Thistle didn't lay a glove on them because they just couldn't get any space and it's no surprise that then they shell balls long because you, you're like sitting there you've got guys sitting it. in front of you You've got no options. Everyone's marked. You're getting harried. Eventually, okay, the only people in your team who get space are the centre-backs who aren't generally good on the ball and then they launch one forward and then inevitably Declan Gallagher, Craig Halkett or uh, Alan Lithgow wins it in there. I'll tell you, it's Declan Gallagher's winner. He, is, he has 419 aerial duels, which is 111 more than the next centre-half on that list, which is Craig Halkett for the record. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, he is... Like he's constantly winning headers for Livingston and as I say he's, it's unfair to label him just with that as well because he is in terms of a, a footballing centre half very good as well it's, it's, it's when I'm sort of joking about them having a free role they have, they have the ability to do that because they have that they are footballers as well more than anything else um, I think, I think he's, he's absolutely terrific he is um, I'll say I, I, Alan Lithgow did not make my top twelve, and he's quite unlucky to not yes. have not have not have made it. Um, it's simply just because I, I, in a top twelve, I didn't want to put three Livingston centre halves in it. Um, I, my alone is, is quite a bit higher, but Gallagher I think is absolutely terrific on there as well. Uh, who else have we got? So, so mine were were all three that haven't actually had that great seasons in a way and they're all definitely more disappointing than they were last season but I kind of felt like there was just about enough to justify them as the best maybe not on, on form but the best centre halves in the, in the theoretically league. best centre half yeah yeah I mean, not so much in practice maybe so Simovic has kind of sporadically played this season um, 
and hasn't looked as dominant. I mean, I think he won this. Yeah, did he did. Last I, think, year. Yeah, um, I think it was the three us did it last year. And, um, he just hasn't he hasn't been the same player at all this season. But he's obviously still got a lot of those traits. Um, but but injuries have kind of hampered him, and the fact that there's quite a lot of competition now in that defence. Uh, Paul Hanlon has had a more disappointing season, and, and he was certainly. Uh, behind Effie Ambrose in terms of being the the dominant yeah. or the most impressive centre half for Hibs and yeah. Darren McGregor as well potentially at times and even Portis in there so I think Hibs fans would say has been fairly disappointing this season and Hibs defensively have, have certainly had pretty rough patches and then Shaughnessy again has been poor recently but he has been part of a St Johnston defence that went uh, had six clean sheets in a row early in the season and then again had four clean sheets through December and January where they won four games so so while he has individually maybe had a, a poorish season he's been part of a team that's defended generally pretty well and also I think and it's certainly Sean to say in Simunovic's cases they're young enough guys that this is kind of a blip more than a kind of yeah. progression whereas maybe for Hamlin it might be actually yeah, Stephen Anderson is the, is, yes. the, is the example of yeah. the, the regression yeah. of a, a guy who's just dropped off edge yeah. yeah. so I had Hamlin at 12 on my list for kind of the reason just said he, he was very good last year this year Hibs haven't been that great yeah. defensively but he's still solid I left out Semenovic mainly because I didn't want to have four Celtic centre-halves in my list yeah. and Shogunese just missed out I think his head's been turned by the kind of Aberdeen speculation and stuff I, I think he probably is going to end up back there um, and yeah he's, he's just not had has had as good a season I thought it was tremendous last year I've got uh, Kurt Broadfoot in there as well I don't know if you guys have I, 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 it pained me so much to leave him out but he said pained I presume yeah, you left him I, he's, I, it's hard to say my favourite Kelly player but he's, he's, he's up there because he's definitely up there with my favourite Kelly players yeah. as well he's, he's, just... he's good he's good at what he does which is defending he's good at riling people up but the most important thing for the team and what you notice when he's not playing is how he's a brave player in the sense that he gets on the ball and he's willing to take possession of the ball bring it out look for passes dribble if he has to yeah. and that's what makes a team tick you, you, you need players to take responsibility in the way that he does and that's something that more than he's defensively, because like Scott Boyd comes in and, and does fine. Um, Finlay's getting better at that. Finlay will probably, I, I guess, I'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, but Broadfoot, um, he's just not played as much this year because he's been injured a bit more. But he's um, when he plays, he's just tremendous. I've found Broadfoot very... In- I've always found Broadfoot a very odd one in that in the season before he left St Mirren, I remember him playing at First Park and he was everywhere. Um, St Mirren went looking for a goal, so he went and played further up the park. And like you say, he's he's very he's an awful lot better on the ball than I think he ever really gets credit for. And I remember seeing him that day and thinking that he was going to be just a, a sensational yeah. centre-half, and he never really got to that level. And now he seems an awful lot closer to the player that I imagined at that point that he was going to be. He's, he's a guy that you can say, I don't know, I don't know exactly how old he is, he must be 34, 35. He's a guy I can genuinely see him playing until he's 40. Because he... He's yeah. not that quick anyway, and he's, he keeps himself really fit. Yeah. Um, there was Kelly did some videos in the summer where um, they, were, they were showing them warming up, and, and Burke and Broadfoot like looked like they looked after themselves so well. Yeah. Chris Chris Burke having a kind of Lubo Maravchik effect. <laughs> and, um, I, like, I, wanna, I wish wish he'd been playing for Kelly so much younger, but um, Broadfoot like he, he does genuinely look like. And it's and it's at that stage. The, the worst thing that happened to him was when he went to Rangers. He ended up playing right back a yeah. lot, and and he, he was just been asked to do things he, he's not good at. Whereas if he'd, 
as you say, that's amazing to me. The back three was um, Kevin McGowan, Andy Millen, and him a lot of the time. McGowan and Millen were kind of grizzled centre half. They were all. The combined age of them must have been about five times Broadfoot. I, I very much remember Broadfoot doing stepovers on the edge of our yeah. uh, edge of the box against us, but he'd you know bust forward, and and you, you just see that from him. It's just so good. And, and but I haven't I haven't quite snuck him in because I thought I. I it was hard to knock any of the other ones out. I could have done, but just because I hadn't played much, I, I decided I didn't want to be too much of a homer. Uh, my 10 is... Have you guys got Jason Kerr higher? A bit higher, yeah. Right, okay, I'll, I'll leave him until that then. So, uh, I'll give you some of my... This, so, uh, I'll give you a 9, 8, 7. So, I've got Tom Aldred at 9, Stuart Finlay 8, and John Suter at 7. Um, I have John Suter at 9, Christopher Iyer at 8, and uh, Jason Kerr at 7. Uh, I've got Aldred at 9 Finlay at 8 and Goldson at 7 um, Kerr I think is uh, we mentioned Kerr just now I think he's, he's going to look uh, fantastic at Aberdeen I think I think he's, he's, it seems the, the inevitable move for him I think once if McKenna goes in the summer then I think it'll be very quickly see Kerr hitting up there um, but every time he's uh, first and foremost he's sort of number he's, he's in the top 5 for defensive duels Um but everything kind of flows through him for St Johnston. Like every time Shocknessy gets on the ball, the first thing Shocknessy's first look is not to play the ball forward. His first look is to find Kerr because Kerr will play a better ball forward. Um, and every time I see him, he kind of has just a bit of everything. He's not. I wouldn't put him down as being exceptional in any particular area. And I know it sounds like absolutely fudging it, but yeah. he's he's good on the ball. He's got a good passing range. He's big. He's strong enough. He's defensively sound enough. He just has that little bit of everything um, for just being a very good centre half. Kind of as I was talking with Broadfoot, and the he's kind of curls in that sort of area of just can do everything. It looks like he can do everything at the moment. Um, and again, it's for St Johnston fans whether they can either hold on to him or whether he can do it at a higher level now. I think is, he, is the question. I think he's in, he's inevitably going to leave, and he's probably. I don't know what St. Johnson's record sale is off the top of my head, but I think they got a load of money for Callum Davidson, so they might not match that. Yeah. But he's going to be the, he's probably going to go for, um, I think he might go for seven figures, which yeah. for a St. Johnston player is, is astonishing. Yeah. Um, and, and that might be to Aberdeen, because if they, if they lose, they're going to have a pile of money burning yeah. a hole in their pocket. But, um, I just think he's a very, very good player. I've got, yeah, I've got him at seven. He was on this section for me. I just think he, he, he could easily have been higher. There's a bunch of players probably um, yeah. in this in this middle section that could have been anywhere. He just yeah. he's one that will play for Scotland. Um, not while well, he's at St Johnston, but um, quite rightly the the boycott of St Johnston players continues. Um, but he will play for Scotland. Um, he's one of a crop of several young centre halves um, just now that are all coming through. They won't all be good, but at least a couple of them will prove yeah. good enough to to have a decent Scotland pairing. I think, and he could be. Speaking of ones that might not be good enough, uh, John Suter. Yeah, yeah, I've got him at nine. Um, just, I mean, you see Hearts this season, they defended really well at the start of the season um, when they had Jimmy Dunn in the team. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as he disappeared, um, Berra got injured, or Berra got injured um, before that, but Berra got injured. Suter doesn't play well when he doesn't have a leader. You saw him, um, the performance in Israel for Scotland. Okay, he got hung out to dry a wee bit. He wasn't maybe that fit, but yeah. he he was he was hopeless as many Scotland players under McLeish have been. So I said I'm, I'm not yeah using it to hold him against him. Dundee United when he didn't have a leader alongside him, he, he didn't play well. At what point 
does he become the leader? It's like what we talked about with um, who was it we talked about this with recently? Gary, was it Gary Kenneth? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like when we you need you need some point to step up, and I just don't think so. Um, when he step up, he's he's a lovely player. He he plays out from the back really well. He he's he's getting stronger. He's not. Um, yeah. he, he doesn't get pushed off the ball so easily, but he's still prone to moments of just weirdness from a defender. He he's too um, unreliable for a centre half, and and I think that's considering the way Hart's set up, which is. He's very, very well protected from the midfield in front of him. He should have one of the easiest jobs yeah. in, in Scotland, but you just see some weird I've, things from him. I've got him at seven. Um, and to me, Suter is a funny one. And again, I, like you, I think he's a good player, but has he's prone to lapses at the wrong time, although just about everybody on this list is. But Suter, to me, just seems to continually find himself in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, in terms of like earlier this season when Dunn was... Or Dunn was... Dunn let, Berra was injured, so it was left with Dunn and Berra, and then Suter gets injured at just the wrong time. Yeah. Um, he's he's it feels daft to sort of talk about things like because he's he's and he's twenty two years old, mm-hmm. has played like one hundred and fifty top flight games, and he is undeniably a good player. But just at that exact moment, like you said, kind of like, as you're talking about the leadership thing, what Hearts needed then was John Suter to play. And it's not a criticism of him because he got injured, because players get injured, but it just seems that every time when it comes to being, they need them to be there at that exact time. And against Scotland and Israel, needed them to be the guy at that time, not how that worked out for well, him. Well, he picked ahead of McKenna. Yeah. And he's nowhere near the player McKenna is. Yeah. So it was, he, he needed to step up and yeah, as you it's just wrong. It's just wrong. He keeps finding himself at the wrong place. Again, at Dundee United, came through then lost a bunch of time in his career because they went to pieces and then he got held back by and them. He's playing in midfield and yeah, just everything seems to be the wrong. If he can put it all together, then I think he'll be very good. And again, I'm sure he'll be uh, very enthused about pushing himself up my top twelve centre halves list. But again, just but I mean, he could be a kind of regular in a um, like top three team in yeah. Scotland, and you, you'd see him kind of kicking on from there from Hearts at the moment. But it just at the moment doesn't the, the timing. The timing always seems to be just a, a little bit off for him. Who's you got, Andy? Uh, yeah, well, I've got... I mean, I'll let you guys talk about Alden and Finlay. Uh, yeah. I know you've got a couple of them. I mean, I, I suppose I can say about Goldson, who's one of those ones... The Rangers ones are funny because yeah. you automatically assume none of them are very good. And um, and, and they aren't that good, but, but they also have, well, I think, the second-best defensive record in the league, which partly due to the fact that they've generally got you know, better players elsewhere and the teams when they come to Ibrox tend to defend fairly deep and, and not put them under so much pressure but I think you can't really I don't know if you can have a top 12 without putting somebody in there yeah, I've, I think, I've, I've got Goldson just yeah. just slightly higher yeah. and I think I think the thing with him is that he's the most consistent of all the centre-halves they've got both in terms of actually playing games uh, he's the one that Gerard seems to trust to, to start and also just in terms of his performances are the most reliably consistent in that he has very few terrible games. So Warrell and Katic have had some terrible games and Goldson has less of them. And he's he's got a bit more of what the guys that are probably higher up, there, certainly from Celtic have in terms of the, um, he's a bit more versatile, he's, he's a bit faster, um, He's fairly strong uh, as a kind of a threat in uh, the opposition box. 
So he kind of has that, just that slightly poorer level than yeah, some yeah. of the guys. Yeah, I've got Goldson at six. I, and I, 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 what I don't understand in Goldson is that he seems to swing wildly, even from game to game, in terms of his performance. Like I, I remember watching him against Ufa. Um, and in that game he was great scored the goal just looked every inch like the certain half that Rangers thought they were buying but that, I can't remember who was playing but that away game in Ufa when they went down to nine men yeah. the defensive performance from Rangers that night because I, I kind of wondered about Gerrard and that side of it and you know obviously they would be able to play nice yeah. attacking stuff but could they battle and I was like so incredibly impressed with them that night but yeah. then you've seen them in well, domestically yeah, crumble three, three, three days later Rangers turned up at first park and Goldson slipped in the first like, in the, yeah. in the first sort of forty five seconds, and Dan Johnson went and scored. And again, Motherwell scored three goals in that game in a, a Motherwell team that was fucking garbage yeah. at the time. But I, I would kind of, I would kind of agree with Craig. I think a lot of it's to do with he's obviously not brilliant in his, in his seventh for a reason. But yeah. a lot of it is to do with the fact that he he's not he's not given a lot of help by the way the Rangers set up and by the people that play alongside them. Even the fact that your full backs especially if it's Barisic and Tavley are charging up the pitch yeah, all the yeah. time. Like it, he's not a centre half that's um given the opportunity maybe to, to be as good as he can be because of some of the, the frailties around the system and the players that he's playing with. He's one that he's one that I think he's a, he's, a, he's still a young defender. He's one I really like, and he reminds me a lot of uh, Queller. Yeah, um, yeah. He's the same style of defender as Queller. Um, he might not quite go on to you know, have the, the career that Queller did. He's also not as ugly. No, yeah. well, I mean, fair play to him, but uh, not many are. But um, <laughs> the. Um, just yeah, he's just one. That, he's one that you know is going to do well as a centre half. He's still, for, as I say, relatively young for the position. They paid a, they paid a decent amount of money yeah. for him, and I think they'll get that back at the very least. I don't think they'll have any worries there. But yeah, I, he's all, he's the only Rangers one that I put in my list because I looked at you say Warrell. Warrell has yeah. moments where he's like okay, but yeah, he's like like that Eamon Brophy goal at Rugby Park or whatever. It's, 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 but to to be talked up the way that he was in in Katic, came in and looked great but then he's had some yeah. shockers and then as uh, Andy and I discovered they forgot he existed Gareth McCauley um, yeah. oh god I um, <laughs> well done to Gareth McCauley for turning up um, <laughs> uh, yeah so they've just uh, he was a ranger for that I put on and it was just for that reason um, the other one I've got in here I guess you've got a bit higher is, um, is Christopher Iyer who yeah. is not lower in the list because I don't rate him because I really really do but um, he's just not had a great season we'll hang on to him for, for a little bit I should um, say I had I don't know if you've got him higher up I had Mikey Devlin earlier at 10 but yeah my Devlin uh, dropped it I really I, I think Devlin's an absolutely smashing player but just he's dropped the the games that he's missed, yeah. it's been a long. It's, yeah, it, it feels like it feels like the last he, time. Yeah, he was out last season as well. It's definitely yeah. an issue for him because they signed him in January and then yeah. they never played yeah. until this season. Basically, I think if Devlin, if Devlin, if Devlin was capable, or if Devlin can stay fit for the course of the season, I think you'll be. I made jokes of this before in the group chat talking. I think you'll essentially be Russell Anderson for Aberdeen fans because he is again. He can do everything. He just doesn't quite. He just can't get. Fit enough. Um, you've got uh, uh, Finlay here as well. No, I thought you got Finlay higher. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, Tom Aldred at nine. Um, for a good chunk of the season, Tom Aldred is kind of the reason why we're not in a relegation battle. Um, he is. He, last year he fit really well in the back three. 
um, because the balance of it was very good. Now he's playing as a centre half, a centre half pairing with Charlie Dunn, and again he, he seems the most adaptable of all the centre halves that we have. Um, he at least once a game will be down on his knees punching the turf because something hurts, and about eight seconds later he's back up winning a tackle. He is looks like he's made out of granite. He puts in huge performances at just really, at a really, at really the exact moment we need it. We'd gone three in the bounce of losing. We'd rested players to try and prepare ourselves for St Mirren so we got beat by Celtic then got beat by St Mirren then got beat by Kilmarnock and then turned up at Aki's and went a goal down and Aldred kind of single-handedly just dragged us through the game got both the goals was defending really well was just everywhere all over the park and he's the player that I think a lot of Motherwell fans thought Peter Hartley was yeah, it turns out that Hartley was great in that system out of that and again I, to be fair to Hartley I don't think he's been fit since he was initially injured for us. Um, even the game, Hartley played the game at Aki's as well, and you can see he was really sort of grimacing through the game. Um, but Alders has just been massive for us all season long. That's just been a huge performance for us. He's absolutely the, the type of person, if you're a fan, that you want yeah. as your centre half, just an absolute unit, but like also very competent as a centre half. But yeah. he's just that type of guy who you can. Just he, he doesn't he doesn't really have a great weakness in his game. He's not massively slow. He's decent with yeah. the ball. He's you'd never call him a ball player playing centre half, but he's he's very comfortable yeah. with the ball but at his feet. Night with the fogging, he was playing yeah. his uh, bandage. Yes, um, so that's the kind of player you want. Yeah, um, yeah. A, guy, a guy who had literally a, about an inch an incised hole in his forehead. Who just wrapped a bandage on it and yeah. got on with it? If you, I imagine if he could have stayed on at Parkhead, he'd have stayed on. He'd have stayed on. It takes a slightly yeah, longer staple or stitch. We're talking. We're talking about. I was going to say it's about leadership. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, this is not. I mean, it's okay. It's that idea of what Terry Butcher leadership is. Toxic masculinity and all that. shouldn't be. But players see that and they're like, "Look, this guy is fucked his head in, and he's still willing to put." Put, put it on the line yeah. for our team that should and does inspire team it's especially young players about where they're like okay no I, I need to get in it and I'm not saying all of us medically yeah, yeah. or not I don't know but I'm saying that they can see that and being like you need to go through the pain barrier sometimes it's your profession it's part of your job to do that he's uh, he's he's just fantastic well uh, we'll get Finley later on I presume so we'll, we'll talk about this uh, damn it eight um, right so and else not in no. this section. Um, right, okay. Uh, that takes us to 6-5-4. Yeah, I've got six goals in five, Halkett and four, Finley. Uh, I've got six suitor, five, Halkett, Lithgow and Gallagher. That's where my cheat is. Uh, and four I've got, Boyata. I've got goals in six, as I said, uh, Boyata at five and Halkett at four. Um, so yeah, as uh, goals in for me, he's... His mistakes are very high profile and they always look terrible. But again, majority of centre half mistakes look terrible. But Goldson, as as I said, I think I think he's I think he's a solid player. I think he's there by by a distance the best of the Rangers centre halves. And as you say, there's the second best defence in the league. It's yeah. yeah. Can, can I say about my cheat one because it's uh, yeah, it, do, it, is do. Mass, it is a massive cheat. Um, and it's it, I'm also aware it's the very obvious haha thing to do is to chuck them all all in together but as somebody who kind of sees them from the outside I do find it hard to separate the three of them um, I mean as you said Graham Gallagher sometimes has been playing out at fullback which, yeah. which makes a difference but it's I find it kind of hard I mean obviously Halkett um, 
is kind of the almost the leader there, and he's kind of popped up with the the most number of goals as well. So you might be more obviously aware of him uh, and the fact that potentially he's going to Hearts, but it's. The fact that the three of them work so well together, and I think work better than anyone else in this list in terms of a partnership. Yeah. I, I think I actually struggle to get out of those twelve any, anyone with a really consistent partnership either because of form of the other person or constant injuries or yeah. whatever it is. Those three have been a kind of very consistent level the whole way through, and if somebody doesn't see Levinson a lot of the time. When you do see them, it's really hard to separate them because they work so well together and they all do bits of the same job and they all threaten in the opposition penalty box and um, it just it, they've all and I think when they all split up, you'll kind of see well, I guess their, their individual talents all kind of all come to the fore and stuff. Uh, but it's interesting it's, because um, how could how could younger um, the other two like Gallagher. I mean, okay, he had um, his personal demons, yeah, and we won't go into yeah. too much, but Gallagher was kicking about for a long time mm. in lower league football. Yeah. Was that, did he come through at Dundee? Or did he, um, he was at Dundee yeah, yeah. anyway when he was young. He went. He was at Clyde. He was kicking about in kind of lower reaches of football until Levy brought yeah. him in, and he's obviously propelled him up. But now he looks so good. It's almost yeah. like a, a, a flick switching, or a switching flick, just going... I don't I, I either play at Clyde for the rest of my yeah. career or what, what's, what's the alternative I, I can go and be whatever it is I want to be and but he deserves it, a turn but, up a huge credit for it but how much of what, what I wonder if going from that is yeah. how much of that is going to be that once he goes out of that Livingston system mm-hmm. is he going to be any good now some players have so um, Josh Mullen who we talked about on, on Monday night about the um, Challenge Cup final yeah. the very good player who was at Livingston and looked really good there wasn't even maybe one of the best players, yeah. but left and did well. But I think some that. of these players who leave Levy now, um, I'm sure I think of the boy that went to St Mirren. Um, the centre for um, Mullen, also yeah, Mullen, yeah. Danny Mullen. Yeah. It never happened for him once he left Livingston. Um, I can see it going that way for um, Gallagher at Motherwell. Yeah. It will do fine. I mean, Motherwell are. Maybe the closest yeah, to Livingston yeah, style yeah, in terms yeah. of, I don't care if got um, different, but Lithgow is in his 30s now and, yeah. and probably again was held back by off field issues and teams not willing to take a punt on him. Halkett's the one that I think we yeah, both think, on the yeah. second. He just, he just watched me. Like, why, why in the earth, and I'll talk about why in the earth did Rangers not see that? It reminds me of the story of um, Murray Wallace when um, Rangers. 2011-12 when they played Falkirk in the League Cup Falkirk were in the first division and came I want to say from 2-0 down but definitely 2-1 down Falkirk came back and won it late on Murray Wallace was playing centre half for Falkirk and one of the Rangers scouts or something or somebody basically was like oh we need to have a look at this guy Wallace and he went to the scout and the scout went well, we released him in the summer Yeah. and it's like what, what what's going on that someone like how, how can they not see when you, when you, they he, to 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 me, I I fully agree with you. I, I do agree with you that Halkett's the one out of the out of the living back three who is the most ready to go and be a centre half anywhere. Yeah. Um, well, the unit as a unit, he brings up the level of Gallagher and Lithgow. I think he'll bring up the the level of just about anyone that he goes and plays with. I think he's just that that's that that cut above the other two. Um, he's got the most interceptions in the league, and to me, I, I had him down as the gear stick in a living machine, and that without like, everything worked because he's in control of it. Um, he, I, I, as I said before, I think he's very unlucky to not have had a Scotland call. I do think he's a fantastic player, and he, he obviously, if he, I think but, it would be a massive coup for Hearts to get yeah. him because I think there are 
presumably, I, I think there will be bigger. Yeah. The size of him, you think the championship is not beyond yeah. him in England in terms of the, his physicality. But again, coming, coming back to what you're saying about Rangers releasing him, if uh, Rangers are inevitably going to be looking for centre halves in the summer, I don't, I, I don't see why that's not a decent fit. I don't understand. I, I understand if they want uh, somebody that can come in and just play, fine. I don't, I don't really see what what Halkett's going to let them down in that sense. But it's, it, there's a bunch of them. Like, they release like Lewis Morgan and stuff like yeah. that as well. They, they, you'd better be in a, a released Rangers player from that era rather than be one of the ones they kept yeah, essentially because yeah. alternatively you can be Kyle Hutton mm. um, so I probably for the best that they got released at the time but in terms of, I just mentioned in terms of Hearts like he's presumably going to be seen if he goes there as a replacement to Berra who yeah. has dropped off a cliff this year is not in yeah. any of a list of him being no. high up probably yeah. I, I, so that was something I, I looked at the last couple and it's, it's I don't know if it's remarkable about it but the fact that there's so few people from the last two seasons so who are good. on this list, I mean, they, they've either the forms dropped off a cliff, or they've gone, they've left Scottish football, or you know, the um, Darren O'Day was on this two years ago. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, things just changed fast. Uh, and I'm a bit uh, two years ago, and I, I, I think I'd be amazed two years ago if you told me Darren O'Day was still playing. No, football. exactly. Svechenko um, was number one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got uh, Dedrick Boyata at number five. Is he higher? Yeah, I've got four. I've got yeah. four. To me, Boyata, I've got three Celtic centre halves on my list, and to me, Boyata is the least complete of any of them. Um, I think he's a better player when standing next to just, well, possibly the exception of Semenovic, who is not on my list. Um, he's a better player standing next to Benkovic and, and, and Aya uh, than he is without them. Uh, he. He's obviously an absolute unit of a guy, but I think he, I think the flaws in his game are, are, are the reason why he's certainly lower for me. Um, so I will um, give a spoiler, which is I've actually got my number one this year. Fair enough. I, do not, I do not rate, or have not, never rated Boyata, yeah. but um, I just think since the um, strike issue at the start <laughs> of the season, I think every time he's played for Celtic, he's, he's been, I've thought, the best of their centre yeah. half. And, Essentially, by by rule, as it has been each of the last years, yeah, as it was yeah, um, Semenovic yeah, last year, it was Shevchenko yeah, uh, yeah, before. Yeah. It's like if you're the best Celtic centre half, you're probably top of the list. And for me, yes, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, the the thing that I, I'm kind of reminded of, I think you said it in one of the podcasts earlier in the season, was if anything after the whole transfer thing, he almost seemed like it was a bit beneath him, and it was, everything was a bit too too easy all of yeah. a sudden. So. But he, he has improved from the, the previous... I think he's never lived up to... I mean, remember, lived down to the hype in the first year. And once he got a bit kind of more hyped up, he didn't quite live up to that last season either. I think he's... But this is this is kind of the closest I think he's been to being a very good defender for Celtic. I would say especially the, the first half of the, the season. And it, you're right, it's hard to sometimes tell if it's because of the person who's played the yeah. side being I, I think, I think, whoever, 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 whoever's beside them um, offers them yeah. a balance that if they're not there and particularly any times the times I'm reminded of the times I've seen him with Sumunovic he just doesn't look yeah. as, as complete a player standing next to him as he does to the other two um, anything else that we've missed on that Finley's on Finley yeah, 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 so up until so Stuart Finley was in loan at Kelly when when is it? I can't remember if it was Lee Clark that brought him in or if it was um, Glock. 
But he was he was on loan at Kelly, and he was very very questionable. He came from Celtic at that point, and Kelly have not had a good history, with the exception of Ayer, who is much lower. As yeah. I say, only because he hasn't. I don't think he's had a good season. But I think Ayer will be out of this whole list. Will be the one who goes on to have the best yeah. career. Um, not quite Van Dyke, but in that ballpark in terms of style, he is. But um, with the exception of Ayer, the loanies that Kelly have brought in from Celtic have, have generally been hugely disappointing. Finlay was one on the line from Rocco Quinn, from Lewis Toshney. Jackson um, Oh, yeah, Jackson Irvin. Yeah. He, he redeemed himself in about the last the... three games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, um, we don't have a good history of the players. But um, Rabiu, I don't know if he was on loan, but Rabiu Ibrahim, yeah. um, another one. But... Um, and in general, we've just not done well out of it. Um, and he was another one who was kind of very much in that. Um, that it's, a, it's a body and it's useful. And I was, uh, yeah, and I was astonished when he then went on to sign for Newcastle um, that summer. And Newcastle then um, he played for Newcastle in a League Cup game, I think, against Nottingham Forest, if I remember rightly. He played. He certainly played a cup game for Newcastle. And then last season, when we were getting him back on loan, I was sceptical of that. Um, and he made a pretty poor start, but then the transformation again since Clark's come in, there's so many players. Clark being a defender, I mean, okay, um, he's played, played under defenders before, I'm sure, but Clark being a proper defender has <laughs> taught me a lot. And the fact that he's, he was a young player and he's just got more confident in yeah. going with it. Um, so I was completely wrong on him. Um, and he, this season, last season, Broadfoot was better than Findlay. Um, Broadfoot was the leader of defence and Findlay was fine, but if you're picking who was shakier, it was him. This season, Finlay's the man. When Finlay plays, Killer better. Um, it obviously capped off with the Scotland call-up um, last week. It, um, it will get other chances there. It wasn't a huge surprise that um, he didn't get yeah. picked because the ones in front of him are, are fundamentally better. I mean, well, you can question Bates, but um, <laughs> Bates is an enigma. Um, and... But he, it was good for him and he's just... He's strong. He, he reads the game really well. As I said when I was talking about Broadfoot earlier, he's willing to take a run now in a way that he wasn't. He, he played a few games for us at left-back and I think as much as he was fish out of water at left-back, it probably helped that side yeah, of his game. Yeah, he's going run with the yeah. ball and stuff. And he started to score some goals. He's still not the best in there, I think. He scored some goals, but you still see him... Um, there's a lot of crosses come into the box where he attacks them, but it goes miles over the bar because it can go off the top of his head and stuff. He needs yeah. to get better at that, but... He's getting there with it, and yeah, I think he will probably leave this summer. And there's started to be some English teams sniffing about. I think Sheffield Wednesday, but he'll probably emulate exactly Mark Reynolds and end up flopping because he's not big enough um, to to make it yeah. in England. I don't yeah. think. But well, at least he won't um, have to deal with Gary Mason. So uh, well, we never won the championship. Yeah, yeah. we uh, But he is. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday could go up. Yeah. I mean, he could be playing the Premier League with them, but. Um, He's just, he's just a very good player. Finlay is... I mean, I'm being a bit biased. He could easily have been below some of the others. But... The, I guess, right. The, the, the one with Finlay is that... I'm, the most thing, I think I'm most disappointed with Stuart Finlay is that he was plainly achievable for Motherwell at some point or another. Um, because it's that, he's that sort of level. He's coming from Newcastle or on loan from Celtic or whatever. Kind of anyone could have had him if if we'd had him, I'd have been delighted with that because he would have had him for that various year. Yeah, that's my. Yeah, and he got and he got. I mean, the, um, when he was on loan, when he came on loan, and it, and it was announced in the January, I think, pretty much of last season that the Newcastle were going to be releasing him. Yeah, and he was doing okay for us at that point, and we were kind of like, yeah, well, okay, we'll take him, we'll give him a year and whatever. And 
And then he obviously got better and better. And then he obviously was like, well, maybe I don't need to be a Tilly. <laughs> so we ended up, we, we ended up it was, I think he was always pretty much going to sign, but he got much more out of it financially. He yeah. got a three-year deal. And it's one of the things is like, I keep thinking, um, when I think it, I'm trying to kind of look over Clark Rain and being like, what's he been good at and what's he been less good at? And one of the things I've always wondered is, has, how good has he been for our, our young players? Because when he came in, Ian Wilson was in the team, um, Hawkshaw was in the team, Frizzell, there was all these, guys, all, these, all these guys were about the team Kilty, yeah. and none of them have really, he really like, he's clearly really likes Wilson, but he's not found a place in that midfield, yeah. unsurprisingly. But the other ones have just kind of disappeared, and I've always been like, uh, maybe if there's one criticism, it's that when he leaves, he's not got the legacy of bringing in the young players. But then I look at Greg Taylor, Stuart Finlay, yeah. um, Eamon Brophy, are all young Scottish young players, Scottish players. Yeah. Um, even though Donald's only 26 he's improved immeasurably with him yeah, yeah. he's not our player but Bachman in goals is, I mean he's yeah. in his early 20s mm-hmm. so even that criticism that I kind of was about to level at him it's like that's not really actually fair Jones is a young player who's yeah. developed so much and so I um, Finlay's one that you forget is young he's only 22 or 23 and he's got a, a good career ahead of him so we'll go with top threes. Uh, I've got Scott McKenna at three, Christopher Iyer at two, and Philip Benkovic at one. I've got the exact same. I've got Benkovic three, McKenna two, and Boyata one. Grand. Uh, I'll give uh, Scott McKenna. The, the, he's the best centre half outside Celtic. He's yeah. the is best. It, he's the best half, including some at Celtic. I'll well. say beyond that. I think he's the best centre half. There's been outside Celtic in several years. Yeah. Um, the the very fact that you're looking at a guy when was the last time any player outside of um, Rangers or Celtic was being talked about for like six, seven, eight million pound moves? Yeah, yeah. Craig Gordon, the only other one. Yeah, I think the only other one ever that's left for that sort of money. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, is absolutely. Cool. I, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, I also really enjoy um, because he was linked with Celtic and didn't go there. Celtic fans now have a, a weird obsession that every time he makes a mistake they feel the need to highlight it and point it out at every opportunity. A very quiet when John McGinn's rattling goes in yeah. for Aston Villa. Funny yeah. that, eh? Yeah, I, and again, he's it's unfortunate that he's probably not long for Aberdeen, yeah. which is a shame because he, he brings so much to the league and he's just such a such a talented player. Um, if he wasn't a, a massive Trump guy, that would be slightly yeah, better. Listen, and that's <laughs> a, the most disappointing yeah. part of his... Uh, yeah, I mean... It, it, Anyway. Without getting to the political, I mean, who was advising him that that was a good idea? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, the, I said, the thing about him from a development point of view, you kind of see him for Scotland and, and he has been one of these players that the, the defence generally hasn't looked good. So you're, you're very aware of him still as being quite a young player when he's in amongst a whole bunch of yeah. other younger, kind of inexperienced at that level players. I think he certainly still looks stronger than Bates does, for instance. Um, but I think on a, on a club level, I mean, you've seen. I mean, he is the kind of number one centre half. There's no, there's no doubt at Aberdeen at all. Yeah. And the fact that they can play Rangers and Celtic actually and get clean sheets on a consistent basis, it, it's, it's part of the duty of McInnes setting the team up better against. Yeah. Those teams and he's got kind of Rangers number now, and the fact he managed to stifle Celtic when he went to Parkhead. But 
you're still relying on your centre halves and, and McKenna. I think you know, McKenna. Like, like yeah. we're talking about Suter and kind of taking the lead. McKenna seems to have very much taken yeah, yeah, taking yeah, yeah, the lead yeah, at Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, and he's he's the guy that's not only just being brave in the defence at, yeah. at Ibrox. He's the one that's scoring the goal to win the game yeah, at Ibrox. Yeah. And and the thing is, like we've talked about what uh, the change for Aberdeen in terms of how they've played against Rangers and Celtic, that they're suddenly getting the results. They well, it's mentality, but it's also. Previously, the Aberdeen, Aberdeen team have been based on their best players being their attackers. Yeah, They've been yeah. Hayes and your McGinn's and yeah. Rooney's and these guys, you get Ryan Christie at points. Now you look at Aberdeen and their best players are their defenders. I mean, right back's maybe an issue, but. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's low, it's, it's McKenna, it's definitely And it's Lewis as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always been there, but. Yeah. Look back at some of those previous Aberdeen teams and you, you, they were really good attacking, but then you had like Ash Taylor at centre half or you had Considine or Reynolds. Just all we used to say this over and over yeah. again that Aberdeen were not going to win a league with Mark Reynolds at centre half. Yeah. And funnily enough, as soon as Mark Reynolds is out of the team, okay, they're, they've, they've dropped off in the attacking sense because their um, signing gambles haven't worked yeah. in the attacking yeah. positions. But defensively, they're so much better and they're now winning big games. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah I suppose they've had a bit more of an issue uh, at home, which is, I mean, they have considered that. A decent chunk of goals at home, and certainly more than any of the teams around them have. But, but yeah, I mean, I, as I say, I think it's the reason that that, that kind of ties into what I was saying in terms of McInnes has set up his team yeah. because it suits the players that he's got to set them up in a way that means you get clean sheets at Hampden or Ibrox or, or Parkhead. Um, yeah, uh, so I've got um, Christopher Iyer at two. Um, I tell you, again, he's been quite unlucky with injuries this season because it's, it's just weird stuff that's happening as well. Like the shattered jaw that he had off the Levy players are yeah. horrible stuff. But I, I, I do agree with you. I think him, in terms of he'll go the furthest, yeah. possibly with the exception of Benkovic. But I just, he's such a classy player because he's a classy centre half and it's, he's comfortable, so, so comfortable in the ball. You can see that he's played a lot of games in midfield because he did. I think uh, he started out um, either as an attacking midfielder yeah. or a striker when he was like 16 in yeah. the Norwegian yeah. tier or whatever league it was. But I think he still struggled in, I know this is mainly club stuff, he has struggled a wee bit still in Europe. I think that's yeah. where the possession side of things, he gets caught out because the, the people he's up against are, are better and they're, they're more capable of closing him down and putting him under pressure. Um, whereas he can kind of get out a lot of those situations in Scotland. Uh, but he is obviously, I mean, yeah, his ceiling is very high, and apart from Benkovic's potentially, um, he could he could go very high if if he want. Well, you know, it's kind of injury dependent stuff as well. But but he's also, I mean, he's got um, the the loan spell is something a lot of the Celtic youngsters, the Scottish youngsters, don't thrive when they go on loan. It's very rare for a Celtic youngster. Through their youth system to go out on loan and actually do well and come back and, and come back yeah, and, and be yeah, a Celtic player I mean, as opposed see, to go on loan and then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're okay. You had Christie who went out on loan, and no, like, no, I, I'm not having nobody saw no, that. No, that, that yeah, no, no. And he was poor at Aberdeen for yeah, much of yeah. last season. Callum McGregor's probably the other one who had a really successful loan spell in Notts County. Liam Henderson sort of he went to Rosenborg and did well. He went to Hibs and did well. But they never kept yeah, him on. Yeah, but yeah. but um, most of the Celtic players who go out on loan do badly. Ayer came to Kelly and he was a revelation. He was fantastic. Him and Scott Boyd came in at the same time and I, turned the centre half from like a joke position into yeah. like looking quite solid. And 
he was very good, and um, I do think as I said, I think I said this last year when we did this. I feel like I'll be watching a World Cup quarter final or, or a Champions League quarter final. Yeah. Going, I remember when he used to play for yeah. Kelly, yeah. Um, and there's not another player probably from this era of Kelly that um, I'll be saying that for. Yeah. I mean, as good as we've been, just the, just Brophy. Yeah, well, Brophy's rattling, <laughs> rattling, rattling, rattling them in for who? I don't know. Uh, time, Moscow. <laughs> I've got Philip Benkovic at number one. Um, he looks to me he looks every bit like a player that cost a million pounds or eleven million pounds. Um he is while Boya is at one end of the scale of being the least complete of the Celtic centre halves, um I for me in the middle and he has his moments. Benkovic to me just as you were describing I as being a sort of Van Dyke type player. Um, while he's not as well Benkovic isn't that sort of level down and that sort of ability just the way in which he carries himself around the league, he's strolling about the game, he looks so comfortable um, throughout, and, and every, every time I see him, and his stats as well are just amazing. Um, obviously, um, centre-halves have super pa- accurate passing, um, but he's, his is highest of anyone, but his long passes, is he's got the highest percentage of completely long passes that aren't from a goalkeeper, mm. Um, and it's he's super accurate in the final third as well. It's all of the passes, to, all of the defensively, he's really sound. He's good with the ball. He's, he's all of those things. Aside from the fact he's about a month um he's got everything. See, see, my concern with him is um, he, he gives me like a real John Gadetti vibe, where he was a really, really like highly rated, talented youngster comes on to Celtic, looks really good, and then does fuck all ever again in his career yeah. because I do. I mean, I'm. He's obviously I've not seen as much of Celtic I have to say recently, like since he kind of properly established himself um, uh, there, and it just he I don't know. There's just something about him. He's clearly very good, yeah. but I just think how how good has he been? I I if I've watched him, I've thought every two centre halves when he's played with Boyata, Boyata's been the one that's led them through a game. Um, which is why I picked him higher, which is a, an about turn for me because I say I've never really yeah. been a huge fan of Boyata, but I've just watched Benkovic uh, again. I don't know how much he takes a lead in that team. That's maybe as much. I, as I, as th- I think he's maybe he's not a, that showy, and I, I think even the the thing about the long balls is almost an underrated part of what he does. I think everyone kind of thinks about it about Ayer and Boyata as well that they're able to play it from the back and. He maybe doesn't get as much of that, and I think he is, but I think he's very unshowy with it. I think yeah. he just goes about his business and just kind of does it in a very quiet way. He just gets the job I done. Think, I, I think he's got an awful lot more to give. Yeah. He just doesn't have to. Yeah. I, I, th- I think he is like the. I do think he is a bit like the Van Dyke thing. He's, he's only in one season, and sometimes you can have one good season and then you can drop off the face of a cliff. So, but he, but almost instantly from coming into that Celtic team and they were struggling at the start of the season. He's made a difference and, and helped show that team up. And I think he, yeah, I think he's very impressive. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, as I say, honourable mentions for Lithgow, Devlin, Berra for dropping off a cliff, Hanlon for disappearing and, and shocked to say he didn't make my list. The other one is Andy Constantine, who's actually had a really good season, but again, um, just these, these guys are starting. Are we alright for time, Mike? Yeah, we're going to. I was going to say, like, try and come up with some stupid feature if we weren't, but fortunately we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Magic. Okay, so thank you very much for listening in today. Um, hopefully you either agree or disagree with our top 12 centre halves if you do or you don't let us know same as in a stamped address envelope to <laughs> a view from the 
address. Send it to them, not us. Yeah, send the BBC television set up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, as always, thank you very much for listening. Uh, there'll be a Patreon, which isn't actually us. Uh, I believe Joel or Fowler or somebody is going to be recording a Patreon. Yeah. Smashing, so yeah. uh, do enjoy that, whatever that might be. Uh, thank you very much, Craig. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.